Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women, and we'll be your guru for beer. I'm Mike. I'm Nate. I'm Jimmy. And we're the Drunk Guys, and this week we are reading Eat, Pray, Love by New York Times bestselling author Elizabeth Gilbert. And starting with a beer. This is from Equilibrium and Moksha Brewing. This is Moksha Marga. It's a double India pale ale. It's 8%. I don't know if it tastes like margaritas. I'm going to find out. I bet that's good. It's very nice. It doesn't taste anything like margaritas, though. No, I don't think it's supposed to. Does it taste like Jimmy Buffett, though? It tastes like a, a roast beef sandwich in paradise? A, a cheeseburger in paradise. <laughs> <laughs> <Is that stuff? laughs> it tastes like it's from Pina Colada Berg. Yeah. It is. It's very nice and... Uh, Nice and light and very, very pleasant. I chose this one because moksha is the Hindu concept of enlightenment. So I thought it fit in this woman's quest for enlightenment or self-acceptance, whatever it may be. We did have a moksha beer. I had We had an evil twin moksha collaboration yeah. for that shitty Buddhist book. <laughs> what the fuck was that called? Uh, that was uh, Siddhartha. Siddhartha. Siddhartha, yeah. Uh, so this book is a memoir, which is a genre we don't really do too often. And why are we doing it right now? It's for Thanksgiving, right? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. You know, where people will eat, occasionally pray, maybe love. <laughs> um, <laughs> you play your cards right. The turkey's right there. <laughs> You're already related to everyone. <laughs> Put the stuffing into everything. Uh, so this is by, uh, yeah, it's a memoir from 2006. So, you know. The perfect time for us to do a memoir. You're just 15 <laughs> years after the bestseller comes out uh, by Elizabeth Gilbert. And it was a fucking huge hit. My wife read this at the time, I remember, and she was she liked it. You know, it was, At the time? What do you mean? Like when it came out? Yeah. Yeah. We were in college. Okay. Yeah. She read this book. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was... It was huge. It was everywhere. Huge, huge book. Big veiny one, you know, and everyone was all about it. <laughs> and then they made their a, hands around it. They yeah, you got lockjaw dealing with it, and then she made uh, they made a movie out of it with uh, Julia Roberts, and I never saw that, but I'm sure it's trash. It's all right. Uh, I can't imagine it ac- accurately captures what the book does. It does not, and it deals with uh, you know this, you know the the things you do on Thanksgiving, <laughs> you can bring it now it deals with Elizabeth Gilbert, who was a writer already. I don't know what she had. I don't know her from any other. I'm sure she's written other books. I'm sure she did some before. She wrote whatever. 99% of people know her from this one book. Her dealing with the her divorce and then trying to like find herself, essentially, as she went to a bunch of, well, three different places to eat, pray, and love in that order to find it's fulfillment. It's best order to do it. I like to eat after the love. I don't like to love with a full stomach. <laughs> the praying could happen wherever. I mean, well, the praying pr- actually pray while you're waiting. I, the prayer is good in the middle of the love. It's like thinking about baseball. It's a, <laughs> it's, it's a good way to, to you know really to double the amount of time to two minutes. Uh, if it's if it's her birthday and she wants to do it twice, yeah, then we'll do two minutes. Uh, <laughs> Um, you know, I, I take the Dave Chappelle strategy of, you know, I'm like an Olympic athlete. I want to get my time as close to zero as possible. <laughs> so I'm trying to just shave off it's wherever I goals. can. 
just leaves more time for us reading shitty books. <laughs> so, <laughs> so she had starts off and she's married and she, you know, she has like on paper the uh, perfect life. She has all the things you're supposed to have, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I find myself, this, this is like the realest part of the book for me because I've definitely think like this or have thought like this about life to some degree. You're like, oh, well, cool. We've, we've settled that thing. We've, we've done that. Like, we got married. Oh, we bought a house and we have a kid and now we have a 401k. You know, like, like the lame, predictable things that, you know, I say lame, but you should fucking do them like in that order probably <laughs> if you want to have a dick. Like, they, they might be unsexy, but like, you know, they're, they're not like exciting things to do. But as a person who's done, who's, who's on that track, <laughs> like, I don't know what her problem is, you know, uh, <laughs> Sounds pretty sweet. They have a really nice place in the in the Finger Lakes region or wherever the fuck they were in New York. So she has her. She's married to her husband, and they've been married at this point for years, you yeah. know, like five or six years at least. And she realizes she's just like is not happy in the marriage, and she wants out. And so she finds herself in a you know it's like crying in the bathroom, like most wives do. And just asking uh, to just, you know, help me. I'll, you know, I realized my husband is not the chosen one. And uh, this is a beer. This is a beer from a new brewery from us, for us, from Tilted Barn Brewing uh, Brewery in uh, Exeter, Rhode Island, which it's called the chosen one. It's a double IPA. That's eight and a half percent alcohol. There's a whole, whole goddamn story here. I went to uh, I went here recently. Over, you know, this episode was recorded just minutes ago. But I went to this brewery uh, around Easter and was there. And Rhode Island is a weird place. It's my first time ever being there. It is a it is a you know all of America. You have this experience where you can go from like wildly rich real estate areas to extremely poor ones very quickly. But since Rhode Island is the size of a fucking shoebox, it's really abrupt and really fast how quickly you go from crappy area to unbelievably expensive area. So we like crossed the state line into Rhode Island. We were driving up there and I I kid you not, there were houses, there were trailers with like livestock in front of them. But, like, not like these as professional farmers. Like, it was pretty, you know. It's a recreational goat. <laughs> I love that band. <laughs> recreational goat. Is that a Primus song? So, yeah. So, there's, like, you know, mobile homes and, and goats. Like, uh, not even exaggerating. And you're like, wow, this is, this is like, a economically depressed area. And then you cross, like, one set of train tracks. Like, not just metaphorically, but physically, because the state is only 11 minutes long. And then there are properties that are like $15 million, unbelievable, like estates on the, you know, the waterfront. They keep their goats inside. And yeah, (laughs) they don't tennis courts. They don't kid around, Jimmy. Uh, (laughs) It was just shocking to me to see it like that, that striking that, that the, the juxtaposition of these things. But in the middle of that was this brewery and 
we had some time till we could check into our Airbnb. And my first thing was like, I bet there's beer nearby. And I found this place. And it was a cool place. It's, a, it's actually on a farm. Uh, they also perhaps have recreational goats. I don't know what they do with them. Um, but they had a whole bunch of beers. And they, like typical of all breweries, they had like 12 beers. And uh, 13 of them were IPAs. <laughs> like everything <laughs> was an IPA. <laughs> Um, I shouldn't, they had like one stout and it was not, I didn't buy any four packs of it, but it was, uh, did you try all of them? Of course I did. <laughs> but Rhode Island <laughs> has some fucking bullshit law that they must've inherited from the Puritans where you could only purchase a limited amount of alcohol per person per day or like per site. I guess I can't like, it's just like no national registry. <laughs> like, Hey, did you buy beer like eight blocks from here? Yeah, like a punch card. But they're like, okay, each person could buy 36 ounces of beer. I'm like, that's that's three beers. Do you want to make money, you idiots? <laughs> what, what is wrong with you? Um, so I had to have my wife order beers for me. And uh, my my in-laws who were traveling with us, they had to order flights. And they had like no interest in... And I, they will take the double IPA and, uh, and the other double IPA. Oh, you could only get 36 ounces there but you could take them to go as much as you, you could want. take to go but like to seat at the tap room okay you can only get 36 ounces per person and it was like there were six adults and a, and a, and a toddler <laughs> like does she, she get must, ounces too? She, she gets you like eight ounces like something, <laughs> she should get something it's by um, height <laughs> if it's by height then she should, she's pretty much adult sized yeah it's ridiculous watching my wife try to carry her <laughs> <laughs> um so then they, they took our order, and then they just, like, didn't give us all the beers. Like, they were like, I know this man's tricks. Like, yeah, of course it's my trick. What did you think I was doing? Do you, you assholes. <laughs> um, but the beer was pretty fine. It's not, you know, I would not say, um, you know, just because it's not convenient for me, I won't be going there anytime soon. But it was actually pretty good. And this beer is great, too. So they don't really tell you. They tell you a whole bunch of crap here about, like, it's overflowing with hops and shit. But they don't tell you any of the hops or any of the details at all. But it's a pretty goddamn dank beer. Like, I feel like I just recently made beer, and I could smell, like, the hop smell, like, the fresh hop pellet smell coming off of this. It's just really pretty damn hoppy beer. So after that long digression, Elizabeth Gilbert wants to get divorced from her husband, and I forgot his name. Was it David? No, David was the boyfriend, right? She changes all the names anyway. It doesn't matter. There's only one name that she kept, and that's Richard from Texas. Every other name was changed. I don't, did she even name her husband at all? I mean, we could find out his name. I mean, like she's no, a public. It doesn't figure. matter what his name is. He's nah, only in the very it beginning. Doesn't of the matter. Book. Uh, she was married to a guy named Michael Cooper until 2002, when they got divorced. So I'm assuming it's him. Yeah, and he almost got a book also, but then the publishing company was like, "We actually don't want this." His book was called "Drink, Fuck, Fart." <laughs> <laughs> Being a bachelor is sweet. <laughs> they just pub- published in full on the Tucker Max website. It's like open door <laughs> shits. <laughs> so his husband was named Mike, uh, but in the interest of protecting his identity, let's just call him, I don't know, Nate. And <laughs> so uh, she gets divorced, and it's like ugly and nasty. Um, and she's um so uh, both uh, both you know she's getting divorced and she's very very upset about that and nine eleven happens in the same week and she's very upset about that too as a New Yorker as you know living in New York at the time very upset about that and then she really and sort of like the the 
the book goes into, you know, how hard it was to get divorced and then some actually pretty funny stories and then talking about like her like de- severe depression from from this and so a lot of the book a lot of most of the book is very lighthearted, but not quite all of it because there were some parts that were really pretty dark well dark in terms of her talking about her depression and then most of the book is that like she's able to like finally get the divorce through and then is able to I forget exactly how she either gets a book deal to travel she or she's advance. just like, fuck she it. Pitches she pitches it. Advance. Yeah. There you go. She's like, I have a great idea. I'm going to go on this, go on this thing. And so first she goes to, as she goes to three places that I'll start with I, first she goes to Italy and then she goes to India. She mentioned she goes to Indonesia. It was, she mentioned the books, the three eyes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People made fun of it. Um, so first she goes to, first she goes to Italy and I have a beer for this. This is all roads lead to, not Rome. This is all road leads. All roads lead to double IPA by other half. Since she left her other half, this makes sense. <laughs> and goes to Rome. Is that beer carbonated? <laughs> <laughs> it's creamy. It's imperial it's Imperial India Pale Ale. <laughs> oh man, IPA. <laughs> imperial India Pale Ale, eight percent alcohol. Mm, and it's very nice. They 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 managed to make them even though this isn't an oat cream IPA. I did get some of those too, but this is not one of those. Uh it's just a double IPA. It's still very sweet. Yeah. No, that's good. So very I think good. I think the way they do that is by basically not putting any hops in until the very end of the brewing process. So you get very little bitterness. And there are a lot of different types of malts you could use in the malt bill of a beer that will not that will produce sugars that are not actually easily digested by the yeast so you'll get a lot of sweetness that doesn't actually go away or you could also also you could also just stop the fermentation process when you are done you know, the pull out method uh, <laughs> some know it has. doesn't always work <laughs> sometimes you want to mess everywhere <laughs> Um, yeah, but I still don't know what the fuck oat, what they mean by oat cream. Cause like a lot of double IPAs and a lot of new England IPAs, I should say, have flaked oats as an ingredient. I'm not sure if that's what they mean when they say oat cream. I've not really found a, I've done a very half-assed look on the internet to know what oat cream IPA means, but either way, they're really good. Very good. So, uh, first she goes to Italy and, and this is definitely the eat section of the book because she she goes to italy and it sounds amazing yeah <laughs> and she uh, it, she just she's like just just like hanging out like in a cafe all morning just reading the paper and learning italian and then going to see the sights and eating a lot of amazing sounding food and this whole time i was the whole time i was reading this part i was like well i went to rome and it was great and I really wish I could go back. And then I was thinking about, you know, haven't been able to travel for over a year. And I really kind of miss it. Yeah. And I would totally like to go back there. So this story about travel means something a little bit different this year. Let's just say. She does say at the near the end of the sort of Italy section of the book that she she gained 26 pounds. 23. 23 pounds. Which, you know, uh, uh, you know, I can't blame her that the food's just so amazing and all carbs and so i can't believe she it was did, only 23 
there is uh, there are a lot of really funny one-liners in the book. And one of which is that, you know, when she's in Italy in this part and she says, you know, she she's trying to take a class, like a class on how to learn Italian. And it's basically Italian, you know, 101. And it's like, and all the teachers here are skinny. I don't trust skinny Italians. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, one of her friends calls her soul searching journey, the no carb left behind tour. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in Italy, can't, can't, uh, yeah, it's can't blame them. It's damn good. Yeah, but it's also extremely expensive <laughs> to eat, to do anything there. It depends. If you don't go to like the touristy places, you just go like a regular spot. It's not that expensive. And she, she spent a lot of time like hanging out with people and like, yeah, the people who live there. Yeah. Yeah. So if you like know the locals, it probably helps a lot. And she learns to cook at home, at least to a certain extent. Because she's there for what, like three months, four months? I remember going to a restaurant in Italy. And he, like, they charge, you know, they have like different kind of like pricing systems in the United States where they charged you for like a piece of fish, I think is what someone bought. And it was like you paid per gram. Like they weighed that filet of fish and like, okay, you bought, you had 37 grams of sole here. That's what this costs. That was an right, alternate title for this book. Which <laughs> 36, 36 <laughs> grams, which is a good, just like a very different system than we're used to in the States. We're like, how much does that cost? And there's a price and you just get it. But also the part, part of the issue is that she's eating like an American, but eating the rich decadent foods of Italy, of Rome, like the chocolate pizza, which sounded like a nightmare. I don't, yeah. She never really goes into the chocolate pizza, how that works. Because she goes, but she goes to the place that was in Naples, Naples that had yeah. the best, the best pizza in Italy. And then she's like, "Well, Nap- Italy has the best pizza of any country, and Naples has the best pizza of Italy, and they say this has the best pizza in Naples. This would be the best pizza in the world." <laughs> that was that's a, a that's a tall, a tall claim. But they like cry while they eat it because they're ladies, and then they, <laughs> <laughs> that's what they do with pizza. Her, uh, her, and her her Swedish friend. Uh, Sophie, and Sophie's choice was for pizza. <laughs> <laughs> I choose flatbread. That was an easy choice for her, actually. <laughs> There's a lot of different things that happen in Italy, but basically she learns Italian and realizes that she doesn't want to have sex. And, you know, there's a lot of funny things. And, uh, I mean, we, we'll get to the end of, I guess, at the end of the book, we'll talk about, like, the different genres and stuff that are happening here but one thing that i liked in this part that i thought was really interesting that like has stuck with me past the book was that one of the one of her paisanos says each place has a word that Mm. defines it and rome's word is sex and she's like no isn't it like you know carbs and he's like no it's sex (laughs) everyone's thinking of sex all the time that's what people. That's what their. That's what their mantra is essentially. And then they, she goes to some other places, and she's like, "New York's place." New York's. And I thought of, I was like, right away, I was like, "I wonder what New York's would be." And then the next paragraph, like, "New York's is achieve." And like, I guess it kind of does make sense in New York. A lot of people are really like driven to like you know like New York. You, know, you think of like the stereotype of New York, like people are moving and fast, and like no one has fucking patience or time for anything, and they're rude and pushy and like. And you thing. can make it here. You can make it anywhere. Exactly. So to achieve, and then she says, if it was L.A. was succeed, which is an interesting thing. And then the Swedish girl says, Stockholm's is conform. <laughs> <laughs> is that the, that's the whole plot of they live? 
Oh God, the uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Yeah, the, the, the aliens, lizard, the, the lizard people movie. <laughs> yeah, I get, you never saw that one. I take it, Nate. Uh, he, he gets the magic sunglasses. He gets the magic sunglasses that can let him see who's an alien, and all the signs on the uh, oh, on the ads wait, just say conform. I haven't seen you know, it, like, but buy I've garbage. Consume. Nate's, Nate still has bubble gum, <laughs> and he's he's here for something besides kicking ass. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's where that line is from. It's a I genius film. Now. I believe it was originally from Hamlet, but it was a, it was modified, to, or it might have been the 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 two noble kinsmen. I'm not whatever fucking some dumb Shakespeare. Two ass kickers of Verona. Yes. So she eats a lot of stuff. <laughs> She gets a little chubs, and she's like, "It's time to move on." This is a she cool also place, only though. planned for four months in each place. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it was a logical time to move. And there's we're, we're really not doing it service. There, there is a lot of entertaining stuff that happens here, uh, highlighting the cultural differences essentially between Italy and the United States, and even within the United States because she's reflecting on her. She grew up know, on a farm. She grew up on a farm in like New England. And you know New England, Nate. You could you could weigh in here. Oh, she was in she was in like Connecticut or something. I didn't yeah, know there were farms. It was Connecticut. Connecticut. It was well. She keeps saying New England. New England. All right. Well, it was almost New York. So is uh, here's a dumb question, and uh, it's embarrassing. I have to ask it. But like, is Connecticut part of the tri-state or is it Pennsylvania? <laughs> like, what's the tri-state area? Jersey, Connecticut, New York. So that's what I thought too. That's it's basically what I anywhere thought. You, you can commute. Well, that's what I had assumed, but then why does she keep... Then I was like, well, why does she keep calling it New England? Connecticut is in New England. Oh, Connecticut is New England, but it's just kind of like, if you're close enough to New York, Connecticut is New York. It's the line where you go from Red Sox fans to Yankees fans in, in, in Connecticut. That's, that's true, That's yeah. the border of New England and New York. But I think, like, parts of Pennsylvania get lumped into the tri-state area, right? Because, like, there are definitely people who live in Pennsylvania I that think, can commute. I think that tri-state uh, depends on where you are. Like, to us, it's Connecticut, New Jersey, New York. But for people in Pennsylvania, it might be Pennsylvania, New Jersey, New York. There's there's a lot of different groupings that are kind of the overlap. Part of the, 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 quad, the quadrivium of <laughs> states. Yes. I don't know what that word is, but yes. I really like um, Virginia's tri-state area, Delmarva. That's a real, uh, a real one. That's really what it's called, yeah. That's fun. The Del- Delmarva Del Peninsula. Which sounds like the name of my aunt from the 1950s. It really does. <laughs> this is Delmar Aunt Delmarva. <laughs> Did you bring that jello casserole? <laughs> but then she goes to India and uh, she, for lack of a better word, joins a cult. And this beer is called Welcome to Harga. She becomes a real ashram hole. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Welcome to Harga is, of course, based on the film Midsummer. Oh, I was wondering when that... Oh, that's... Yeah, that's the art there. Is and that it's a um, hauntingly, upsettingly film. It's a... Nate, he's not seen it, I'm sure. It's worth it's seeing. It's a weird movie. It's, yeah, a, worth, it's, it's a masterpiece of insanity. It's the prettiest horror film you'll ever see. Yeah, it's the only horror film where everything isn't <laughs> black and gray. And it's the dreary. most colorful. But uh, she you know, goes to a cult in Scandinavia. This lady goes to a cult in uh, in India. But I j- bought this because the can was hilarious. It's just a cat. Uh, inside the flower veil thing. This is from Fat Orange Cat Beer. 8.5% New England style double IPA. It's very nice. 
Is it as nice as murdering a bunch of old people? <laughs> Don't give it away. <laughs> he hasn't seen it yet. He might see it one decade. Uh, but yeah, no, it is. Nate's it's actually almost that nice. old enough to be one of those old people. <laughs> <laughs> it's a double it's, it's, you know, it's hard to describe them. I don't know. We're not great at it, but it's nice. I can't go wrong with it. It's worth getting if you can see it. And it is a pretty can of a cat. But she doesn't, it's not really a cult, but it's one of those places where, uh, this is also a source of much of the criticism of the book. It's one of those places where Western people go to uh, seek Eastern enlightenment by staying at a all-inclusive meditative resort surrounded by crippling poverty that she doesn't talk about at all. She mentions it. She talks she about she the gives kid, it an offhand the kid, reference. The kid who is so skinny, she's like, to be as thin as an Indian teenage boy. <laughs> like yeah. She doesn't really say it like that, but she does talk about how how poor and it's like a dirt road and it's all and the local boy that is i think is the same one who like he only has one shirt like he's i see him he wears the same clothes every day no, but he, perfect, he washes it perfectly pressed it's like yeah no he washes it and irons it every night because he only has one shirt and he's washing it by hand and ironing it with like a hot rock <laughs> like it's not like he's yeah. you know going to the dry cleaners i i had a lot of you know I, I just was in general, I guess I have a lot of criticisms for people who criticism for people who, who take this pose of, well, you know, in the East, they really have figured things out and not yeah. in the West. It's like, it's really it's, fucking it's, it's douchey. incredibly stupid, but it, cause she's, you know, and she, she, I feel like she tries to avoid it, but it's, it's inevitable when you join such a ashram when you're like, you know, they have this concept and God is within and we just need to slow down and we need to recognize and it. And in what she says throughout is essentially like, and in the West, we don't do this because we're so distracted by everything and we can never see it. And we have to go here to see the truth. And you're like, all right, maybe. And then she's like, so I get on an airplane, you know, one of those things invented in the West. And then I fly over to India and I type this up on my laptop again, uh, invented by those Western people who don't want to, you know, meditate. And it's like, you kind of want to have it both ways. Cause if you really want to be enlightened, then you could live, you don't need to go to the ashram. You can go live in a cave and meditate. You don't need to have the luxuries of Western lifestyle of a Western lifestyle and moonlight as a yogi, you know, you don't get to just like visit Jellystone, you know, if you want to be a real <laughs> yogi. <laughs> but I, I just, you know what I'm saying? You know I can't bear that joke. Uh, did I make a boo-boo? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like you have to take the whole picnic basket. You can't just, you know, but you know what I'm saying? Like she, she, she like enjoys every benefit and every luxury of Western life and she's like, I'm going to do a six-week poverty tour for enlightenment. Yeah. But like kind of shit talk, the place that affords me the ability to do this poverty tour. The place that gave her a $200,000 advance to take the tour? Yeah. I, I feel like, like if you really believe, like I'm not saying that the West is correct, but like if you really believe that, you know, the, the getting in touch with the spirit, you know, your internal whatever and meditating and being with the universe, that's fine. But then don't be like, and then I got on my fucking commercial airliner to contemplate my meditations. Like, you can't, you can't have it both ways at those ex- at that extreme a level. 
It's also not really an East versus West thing. The idea that there aren't huge similarities with all of them, it, it's ridiculous. They have most of the same stuff we do, but we've kind of fetishized this like, oh, the magical Eastern people. It's a, it's, it's a little racist, but it's very common. Of these like the magical, you know, the noble savage almost. It's kind of still a very much so a thing. It's, it's like the magical Negro thing is what it is. Yeah, kind of. But it's it's and that's it's all from the outshoots of the dumb New Age movement. You yeah, know? she's basically getting like a one one thousandth peek into Hinduism and saying that's enough. I get it. I get I get what they're going for. I get it, and it's <laughs> be- and it's beautiful. Like no, <laughs> like I don't think you do get it. It's it's, <laughs> it's it's a pretty complex thing. It's an incredibly complex thing, and she's getting. Almost none of it. She spends most of her time uh, meditating. Again, it's like, I'm going to meditate in the room that's there for meditation with, you know, the light bulbs that are produced based on those non-contemplative Westerners. (laughs) They made this. And then mop floors. (laughs) That's kind of what she does for a few weeks. I don't want to sound like a fucking Fox News person, but like it just feels like it's really easy to like shit talk the West because like there's so many things about our culture that's really not functional. But then to just turn around and be like, and the people from far away, they know better, is naive. And then to not really actually know what they have, to not really learn what those people do, and to not really do it, it just feels like the the utmost load of bullshit to me. Yeah, I thought this was the weakest part of the three. At least in Italy, she like gets to know the locals and live the Italian lifestyle. And in Bali, she mostly hangs out with the locals and does stuff with them all the time. And this one, she's just kind of in this little cut-off section of the world, living at a place where everything is kind of provided for you because she paid a shitload of money to be there. And that's their business model. And it works. And, you know, it supports the locals to a certain extent. But it's... To say that it's like she went to India is is a, is ridiculous. It's like going to, like, if you went to the Holiday Inn in Afghanistan and said, I really get what they are, how they live. <laughs> the Kabul Holiday yeah. Inn. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you get the sense throughout the whole book, she's talking, like, I'm tr- she's, like, trying. To, and there's, like, we, t- we skipped over in the beginning. She, like, met a random, like, Indonesian medicine man. Well, that's how she came up with this whole thing. Was she? Yeah. She had gone. She had gone to Indonesia uh, like two years before on, on an assignment, assignment yeah. for her magazine or editor or whatever. But she wasn't. She didn't go back to only Indonesia. She went to Italy and India first. But you know, interspersed throughout, like her like travels, is talking about you know getting over her uh, divorce and then the guy. She started dating the boy like, toy the week she left her husband. Basically, I think that's, that's yeah, the way it works. Like and that. then she's a serial over him too. Dater, and then you know, it, I mean, but it's the book is very introspective, you know, and it's also very self-deprecating. I mean, she doesn't at all say that she's better that she's doing anything correctly, uh, uh, and she's really you know just trying to get over. Her own emotional issues, of which she admits she has a lot. And that was, that was kind of the point of the book, you know, and just to be 
an entertaining travel journey. Well, at one point she's taking heavy duty uh, psychiatric antidepressants. Antidepressants, and she's like, "I don't know how I feel about this." <laughs> you know, I feel like I shouldn't need these, which is a very common thought in in America. You know, like the idea, like you just need to toughen up, and you don't, you know, stop being a pussy and work harder, and you won't need, you know. And she's like, I, I feel like I don't need these things. I don't want to use them. And as soon as I can get off of them, I want to get off of them. But they also help, you know, and she kind of highlights fleetingly uh, a pretty important issue in America, of like the idea of medicating our moods. But then she replaces that with eggclairs and well, cannoli. Uh, and hey, she, if it works, nothing wrong with that. No, it's, it's, it's a complex, it's a complicated thing, right? Like, how to medic, you know, mood altering drugs are a pretty powerful tool. And she points out, and I think, I mean, I'm no expert, but she, they might be being used too, too frequently. Like there might be other tools that could be used instead, or there are things we should be used in conjunction with these that they shouldn't just be seen as like this panacea. Oh yeah, definitely. So I thought that was an interesting I think a more serious thing amidst talks about like hunky Italian guys using the word for cute or uh, some of the Italian passages had really funny. There's like a lot of Italian language stuff like this story about how she like learns her like best Italian basically by going to a soccer game and hearing a man just fucking reel off curses <laughs> at, the, at, the, at the soccer players. It was really funny. Yeah, I could hear their fingers being pressed together. I could smell the the garlic <laughs> through the page. Not in India, though. You know, no. no. No food there. Not in this part. You might think, because we have a vaguely successful book and beer podcast, that we figured everything out. Emphasis on vaguely. Very vaguely. Well, as most other podcasters refer to our podcast, they say, oh, what? <laughs> you, you might think we figured it all out. But even we could benefit from some tips sometimes. And that's where life coaching comes in. And of all the life coaches we know, our favorite is Tracy Michelle Bullock, founder of Simplicity Do Your Dream. She's a writer, a former startup COO and doula, HR professional, and creative thinker who is relatable, wacky, real, and very much an expert in all things work and job related. She is a uh, career and creativity coach who supports job seekers, freelancers, artists, entrepreneurs, and any other professional who wants an expert eye and ear to spitball, strategize, and offer any other kind of support for their career aspects of their lives and work. If you want to connect, Tracy offers free 30-minute meet-and-greet calls. You can book via Instagram or the website simplicitydoyourdream.com and 20% off your first month of coaching if you drop Drunk guys via scheduling a call, email, or direct message. So if you'd like to connect, check out Tracy on Instagram at Tracy Michelle Bullock. That's Tracy Michelle with one L, B-U-L-L-O-C-K. Or you can go to her website at simplicitydoyourdream.com to learn more and schedule a meet and greet. And now, back to us. There were some things in, in the India section that was like, she talked about how she basically, she, she, before she went there, like back when she was still living in New York, she was like super into meditation. And she basically goes to India to this particular ashram because it's run by the guru of the dude she's banging. I think his name was David, right? Yeah, in the book his name is David. 
I, Do you know his real name? No fucking idea. He's James Franco in the movie. Oh, that's <laughs> that's good casting. Yeah, smug little douchebag. Yeah, I'm gonna guess his. Oh, we're gonna call him Jimmy. <laughs> Damn it! Him, the husband's name was Mike, and we called him Nate. <laughs> <laughs> Could be. You never know. Uh, like she gets super into meditation and this, you know, very very surface level understanding of Hinduism. And she talks, she goes there to India and she starts with this thing where it says like different schools of thought over the centuries have found different explanations for man's apparently inherently flawed state. Buddhism calls it ignorance. The yogis, however, say that the human discontentment is a simple case of mistaken identity. We're miserable because we think that we are all mere individuals alone with our fears and flaws and resentments and mortality. We wrongly believe that our limited egos constitute our whole entire nature. But she doesn't know this because she doesn't know things. Is That is also the exact same belief of Buddhism. Because, you know, Buddhism came from Hinduism. But it's like, ah, they believe this. But it's more Hindu, fig trees. Well, she doesn't even call it Hinduism. She calls it the yogis believe this. But it's like, yeah. But I feel like she only mentioned the word Hinduism once. Um, you know, I don't know much about Hinduism. So it's I'm not enormously gonna... complex. I took a class in it and I learned I'll never understand it very well. Because it's not really like one thing. It's like a it's like this like termed cast over yes. brown people religion, basically. <laughs> basically, yeah. The, a the billion English were like, different things. Mm, I don't know what mm. these coolies it, it, worship it's a, a god term with an the elephant. British head. more or less made up to just say to just have a term for religion in India. We'll call it Hinduism. Even though it was actually thousands of different things. Here's a good, uh, I'm using my history degree well term, henotheism. Uh, henotheism is when you have a poly- polytheistic religion, but you actually don't worship all the gods. You only worship some of them, but the other gods are also like there. You just like, you don't give a shit about them. Like, but also, not your God. Hinduism is technically a monotheistic religion right so depending like the level of like understanding a particular hindu has of their religion could be important too and or i imagine version of it but i yeah and i imagine that you know there's some fucking you know british lord douchebag in 1877 who was like tell me about your religion you know brown man and then they asked you know someone who may not be much of an expert and they're like oh hmm how how quaint, and then they totally misunderstood it going on from there. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, there, there's. She does say though at certain whenever she tries to like go like she does say in that passage you quoted, she says essentially like I'm grossly oversimplifying this or something to that effect. I, I do credit her throughout with being very open about how she is not good at this. Not even this section, but like the whole thing. She's just like, but I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, and I'm depressed, and I'm I'm just trying to survive. Though I did wonder if there are like people from the east that come here and go to Kansas and go to rich dad poor dad seminars and think ah enlightenment. No, they don't. <laughs> but they do go to like Kentucky snake charmer churches, and they're like, this isn't that far off. Yeah. I like. Tell me more. Just about as many this. snakes. Tell me more about that dead Jewish carpenter who <laughs> speaks through snakes. <laughs> that seems real. Mm, I have a beer. I'll wait for it. I'll wait for it. Patience. 
I've learned that from the yogis. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> when she's at, she's at, so she first, her original plan was to go to the ashram, this particular one in India and stay there for six weeks, but then just travel India for the next four months for the, the rest of the four months. But she decides, but after six weeks, she decides to stay, stay on and stay there and just do the whole thing to just get better at doing the thing. I mean, meditating mostly, Yeah, you know, and she has funny stories about the people she meets, you know, which she does the whole way through. And so, but then after four months, she then goes to Indonesia to meet with the same, the same Indonesian guy, the medicine who man. she had met two years to the two two years before that. I mean, it's also uh, interesting stuff, and she goes into a tiny bit of Bali's history, some stuff that I didn't know before about you know Bali looks like this beautiful tropical paradise, but it actually has some very dark episodes in its past, including you know because uh, it's part of Indonesia. This particular area isn't Muslim, but the rest of the country largely is. And then in the, so between sort of like independence from empires, you know, from the 1940s and 50s, it was take oh, it was invaded by the Japanese during World War II. And then it kind of got its independence after World War II. But then it was the communists versus the non-communists. And then there was like horrible massacre in Bali where 100,000 people died. This page was more than I've ever known about Bali. Yeah, me too. But it still, it sells itself as this beautiful, peaceful, tropical paradise. But they invented that, they said. It was in this book, they said they invented the idea that it's a tropical paradise through for, like, ads in the 60s. I mean, it's... it's and it worked. It's marketing. Yeah. And it worked, yeah. But it is a, I mean, it's very uh, it's tropical. a Hindu island in, a, in the world's largest Muslim country. Most populous Muslim oh, yeah. country. Largest people wise so she's in indonesia she goes there to see the guy i'm talking on his name right now in indonesia they everyone only has one of four names whether you're a guy or a girl because your name is just first second third or fourth in the language of there i don't even know the language it's called indonesian (laughs) i don't know (laughs) it's like um ichiro the base the best baseball player Mm. it means first Son in Japanese. But there's also all those uh, fucking dead Roman assholes like Quintus and Sextus. Their name is like five. <laughs> this is my son, five. I ran out of, ran out of ideas. So actually, you know, there, and part of that has to do with the fact that um, in Roman, ancient Roman culture, like you named kids after, and after like, you know, uncles and you know, uncles, aunts, fathers grandfathers etc so your kid might be named five but he wasn't your fifth kid he's named after your uncle who might have been the fifth kid or he could have been named after your your uncle who was named after a grandfather who was named after this who was who was originally the fifth kid or might have even just been born in the fifth month (laughs) but they only three that's just like fucked exactly those numbers (laughs) actually don't really represent birth order anymore by the time we get to like the recorded roman era they're just you know, like like a lot of other uh, cultures where you only have a f- handful of names, uh, where you have to name after ancestors, you only end up with a handful of names. So you start naming your firstborn kid five. And like, man, we are we suck in engineering. <laughs> Do you think that later on they just started naming them all the same things, like what Americans did, where they spell Ashley like nine different ways, like Quintus with like fifteen 
G's and H's for no reason. Quintus with a, Quintus with a Q or a K. <laughs> it is uh, with a Q. Uh, it I is guess. with a Q. I meant to say K. Yeah. <laughs> Quintus, like K, K W R Y N T apostrophe S. Quintus. <laughs> so in this book, you're known by your name and what you do, like Ketut the medicine man or Wyan the lady who works at Kmart. I mean, they don't have a Kmart there. I mean, they might. I don't know. But that's how they describe it. This, yeah, I, this is the most I've ever known about Bali. I'm looking up if there's a, if there's a Kmart in Indonesia. <laughs> there might be one in Jakarta, but I don't know if there's one in Bali. There should have been a guy named Joe Carta. <laughs> be the best name. Oh, there's definitely, one, there's definitely one in Boston. Yeah, I do. I'm oh, Joe, it's Joe Carta. Jo- Joe Carta? Joe Carta? <laughs> Uh, yeah, Joe Carter. Do the do the Dutch own them? That was a Dutch yeah, colony for a long right? time. They were Dutch. Mm-hmm. So she's in Bali, and she's more or less hanging out with the locals instead of just praying. Though she does hang out with the medicine man guy a bit. She meets a local woman who she decides to help by raising a bunch of money to buy her a house. And then eventually finds finds love with a Brazilian man named Philippe. I have a beer for this. <laughs> Is it UTI Stout? Um, <laughs> it's called. It's just called a Burns when I pee. No. Uh, so in the beginning of the book, she was married to some other guy who we're calling Nate, and uh, what she, was actually named Mike. It was named Mike. Yeah. <laughs> and she was like, I don't want to be with him. And then she finds this other guy, Philippe, who she later marries. Uh, spoiler, uh, and but divorces. Double spoiler. After and a long time, though, like like eight years. Like, like twelve. Together. How long? Twelve. Or twelve years. I guess. Yeah. I guess that's a long time. But she realizes maybe he's the other one. <laughs> <laughs> this is the other one, <laughs> also from Tilted Barn, and this is the double dry hopped double IPA. That's a modest 7.9% alcohol. And they have a whole little story here that you've seen variations of this on many, many other beers where they're like, we always have this less is more attitude except for this beer. This is the more is more attitude, which like, uh, I know how fucking more works. More is more. Like, don't fucking, you're not fooling anybody, (laughs) Rhode Islanders. You would think a state the size of my backyard knows about more and less. (laughs) But by the way, when we went there, I tried to get my wife to let me because I'm, you know, a weak man. I wanted to buy a shirt that said Ch- Chode Island. <laughs> Did that exist? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I, 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 <laughs> and I wanted to just wear that around. And she's like, "Shut! No, you're 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 a father." And I was like, "God damn it!" Fathers have chodes um, too. But we, you know, one of the things we do with our our family. <laughs> <laughs> Never forget. But one of the uh one of the things we do in our, our family is we play a lot of dominoes because we're really cool. So I made uh trophies for us because we always play gets really competitive. And my wife's father, who's from the Caribbean, so he beats the fucking shit out of us every time in dominoes. Because that's all they had. It was either like play dominoes or like work in the sugar estates. So he's really good at dominoes. He beats the crap out of us. Uh, we had trophies made. I, I made up. It was called the Nar- we were Narragansett, Rhode Island. 
is the Narragansett Invitational <laughs> Domino Tournament. <laughs> it's just uh, on each trophy. It's like she was that she went along with like, and what if I also got a show that said showed out? I was like, you pushed your luck, white man. Like, oh, fuck. <laughs> what if I get rid of the trophies? Did you buy it anyway and just not show her? And no, because I don't. Um, as she points out to me frequently, she's the primary holder of our credit card. So. You're not allowed to because you buy shirts I'm like Chode Island on it. I'm like an authorized user. Like I get treated like I get treated like a like a like a, your kid goes on there like study you know their their trip she to France for anytime. a week. Yeah, like I really, it's insulting. I'm a kept boy. You can buy I'll, it I'll online. Deal with the, where else was I going to get it? I was going to order it online. Like I don't think they sold us at Gap or wherever the hip kids buy their clothes. <laughs> anyway, this beer is really nice. Uh, it is it is more bitter than the standard New England IPAs we've had. Uh, not quite as juicy or you know dank, but I love this. This is like a nice balance of hoppy uh, flavors and smells, but a little bit of bitterness where it doesn't just feel like juice um there, there's actually like a dry lingering bitterness left after it i dig it this is great it's a great beer good thing i drank the other three in the four pack uh as research back to the book so she's having a ball e he's balling in her he's, he's, he's in her nesia <laughs> in between her nesia um <laughs> But this is they say this is my least favorite part of the book. Um, when she gets a UTI and the the Balinese woman, her friend, makes a magic potion out of herbs and cures her UTI. No, it's called cranberries. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a cranberry juice. Oh, ocean spray. <laughs> and she's like, oh well, in the West we don't have this. Like, I took antibiotics for weeks, but here it's just magic. Like that's not. No. Nope. Like, I, I, I believe she's not lying, but it's also, that's not true. Steve Jobs got pancreatic cancer, but instead of treating it the way the doctor wanted to, he tried to instead do an Eastern remedy first, which didn't work. So by the time Steve Jobs was like, okay, this Eastern remedy isn't working, it was too late, and then he died. So, like, the, the thing is, the thing about, like, Eastern medicine is that even if there, even if you say that there's some, that there's a little bit of something there, that there's, like, a tiny bit that somebody figured out from some plant at some point that did an important thing that Westerners don't know about, it is just not, it is just 99% not as effective. So, like, to, to push the Eastern medicine as, like, oh, this is so much better it's actually kind of dangerous. It's also bullshit because to, to frame it as Western versus Eastern medicine, because in the East they use regular medicine. They've got fucking hospitals and doctors. She means like traditional. Yeah, medicine. I mean, as everyone says like, oh, Eastern medicine, but it's they use what we call quote unquote Western medicine widespread also. Right, but the Western medicine they're using is derived from the West. Yeah, but right? they like, it's it not like they there. like independently discovered it. Like they're also they've adopted it and that's fine. I'm not trying to like assert you know, some <laughs> hegemony over it or something, you know. But like that's the it's 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 a it's a stupid distinction. It gives or the impression that they just the use it there. Like this is what they do in the east. Like no, most people don't. Listen, 
I don't care what they do with their tiger penis soup. If it works for them, <laughs> that's fine. It doesn't work, though. It's not going to give you a boner. It doesn't make any sense. Well, well, you know what? It takes, you know, it averages out in your favor because now that tiger also won't get a boner. <laughs> so, victory. It does work, Mr. Fucking Western Medicine. <laughs> Net boners are down. <laughs> <laughs> So so final final set final section of of the Indonesia is she like talks about you know finally finally finding love again with the Brazilian man older Brazilian man named Philippe and then at the very literally the very last section of the last chapter which is chapter one hundred something eight he says what if we have a what maybe we can make a life together that we're in New York. In Brazil, and Bali, and Australia. Conveniently which, you know, located places. <laughs> well, she had said, the sort of the framing of the beginning of the book was, she loves to travel, she wants to keep, be able to keep traveling. So it's kind of like, well, and if she, you know, marries this guy, and then they have to be traveling between New York, Bali, Brazil, and Australia, well, that's a lot of traveling. Oh, yeah. You can't really say you're stuck in one place doing one thing. And if we run from our problems long enough, we'll we'll die before we have to face them. That's kind of the thing, right? Like Well, I think by the end of this she's kind of not solved it, but she's gotten she's gotten what she needs out of it. I wasn't say, I wouldn't say she was running from her problems. She was she went there, or at least to both India and Indonesia too, you know figure out her own emotional issues and it wasn't to run away from them yeah but the idea like i have four months to figure this out is kind of stupid well i i mean i don't know if she's set out to be like i'm sure i'm gonna have it done by then but she's i'm gonna try this and see what happens and i think a lot of the stuff that gets what the thing that gets overlooked the most about this book by everyone people that like it and people that don't like it is that this is her job she was paid to write this book. It wasn't like people were like, oh, she took a year off and just did whatever the fuck she wanted. She's a rich white bitch. It's like, yeah, she is. But like they paid her to do this. So she was doing exactly what she's supposed to do. She didn't really take any time off. This was the, this was the assignment. I mean, it, it was her job. I mean, it's also a pretty cushy job. Oh, no, it's, it's a great nice. job. But it wasn't no, like great, she, great job. she's not I mean, really taking a year off. She doesn't. As as other sort of like travel books that I've read, she doesn't describe the process of I really felt like I had to sit down and get some writing done so I could write this fucking book you're reading right now. Yeah. Which is somewhat the case in other words. She didn't she didn't mention like the I'm writing a book right now part of it at all during the narrative. No, she leaves that. And maybe right she out. didn't. Maybe, maybe she didn't. Well, I mean the the advance was for to her to write a book about this year of travel. They're like, yeah, we'll give you a bunch of money to do it, write a book about it, and we'll take well, all the money. She must have been taking the the amount of time she took, and then he said, and then they introduce a three line quote. She must have been taking notes and writing along the way. I think she I, I read somewhere that she was like writing early in the mornings, most mornings. She did mention that she she liked to journal in the morning, so she was writing to, writing stuff down. Yeah, that's the gig. I would think. I mean, if you can get a, if you get a cushy job like that, like fuck yeah, more power to you. No, it's a great gig. And then basically the very last chapter is, oh, okay, we'll, we'll um, figure this life out. And then the end. And then it didn't. <laughs> uh, 
I mean, she kind of did. Did enough. I think the idea is that you can't figure it out. They were together for fucking nine years. Nine years she was with that guy. For her, that's a good amount. Well, she was with the previous husband for eight, so I guess it's an improvement. (laughs) Then she was with a woman for two years. Yeah. And and then that woman died. Yeah, I saw that. Which is terrible, but... She also says in the book, like, she's a, a serial monogamist. She has to have a partner. Like, she's, you know, had a boyfriend or two at a time, like, in dovetailing relationships for her whole life. Yeah, we did we did leave out that she was celibate for most of this year until the uh, extraordinarily handsome, perfect, brilliant man. Well, then she saw his uncut dong, and she was like, oh, hello. I changed my mind. <laughs> Bali. <laughs> I, you know, I hear, I'm shitting on the book. I actually really liked it. I enjoyed reading it. I really liked it too. I it was is a yeah. really beautifully written book. I mean, the Itali- the first part is is still the best part mm-hmm. of the, the, the beginning and then the part in Italy, but it's a really good book. I thought the last part was the best part. Part with the dong? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Just that. His part. I. <laughs> <laughs> Typical ladies' book, the best part's the man. But I think, um, you know, it has a lot of different things. We, we've This is maybe like the second memoir we've done. We've done that. Ours Glass Castle. We'll Angel of Sashes. Oh, Glass Castle. Glass Castle. Shuggy Bane, which is supposedly Diet memoir. fiction, but is really like probably. I can't largely. believe it's not memoir. <laughs> yeah. I, I like I really liked it. It's fun. It's interesting. There's enough different shit. That like the annoying new age crap in it in the middle. I'm like, whatever. This is stupid. Uh, I can just, let's just move on because it you know it doesn't really dwell on it for terribly long. And there's enough about oh look at this cool person and look at this cool thing. And I mean it's kind of like a tra- I guess I mean I don't really know what genre to. It's like a travel memoir ultimately I guess. Yeah. But but also like a, a story of self discovery. But the subtitle we didn't even talk about is like one woman's quest to eat pray and love all over the place so it was like i don't think that's what it was <laughs> Pretty sure it's, i think that's what it is uh, it's one beautifully written and love all over the place one woman's search for everything across italy india and indonesia well that's a that's a pretty bold uh goal <laughs> just search for everything you know so i really liked it but Something bothered me also the whole time while I was reading it. Mike, it sort of has to do with like, well, who is this book for? Like, women. what kind of person? <laughs> it's like, and it's not just women, although obviously, but it's definitely like 20 something, 30 something, like upper middle class professional women or goop customers. Oh. Like, this is like the exact thing that, like, well, or more like, Gwyneth Paltrow and Elizabeth Gilbert have come up with a thing for the exact same group of people. But Elizabeth Gilbert isn't, like, selling anything. She's not trying to, like, take hundreds of your dollars for a... Vagina that smells candle. like your asshole. <laughs> like a candle that smells like your ass. It was, it was like a kiss uh, candle, candle smells, smells like, like my vagina? Yeah. Yeah. The mm-hmm. ass candle is a very different candle. <laughs> That's that's from the man, the man, the mandals, oh, the drunk drunk guys book club. Poop is our, it's our candle. It's our scented candle. The poop company, and it's in a, each candle's made with corn. Um, no, we. She's not. No, she's not corn selling. kernels in the candle. 
Oh, it looks it looks like a jello casserole from the 1950s. Like I said, I can't quite explain what bothered me about I know it. What you mean. Even though I did really like it. It's kind of like it's like uh, uh. I would also say this is of all the books that we've done that are definitely for women. Like that's it, you know, chiclet books. She books. <laughs> she books. This is the most. This book this is even more a book for women than Jane Austen. Or Fifty Shades. Or Fifty Shades or Twilight. But it's better. Twilight was for kind girls. Of objectively better than them. <laughs> it is objectively better than all those. It is also actually quite similar to The Alchemist. Mm. Except the answer wasn't Jesus. It was uh, Ganesh. Exactly. It was, it was, uh, so, I mean, this is way better than The Alchemist, but The Alchemist kind of had a very similar theme to it, which is going on an adventure to find the thing you're looking for and, you know, and the universe will provide or, you know, though this book was not nearly as bad at that than The Alchemist. I, th- I think that, is, it, yeah, it has the same, like, you know, like, almost like saccharine sweetness vibe that's similar to it. I have never read The Alchemist, but I know, like, the the idea behind it was that, you know, the universe provides or Jesus provides or whatever. This one, you know, aside from all, like, the lightheartedness, got pretty, you know, she was clearly struggling for a lot of it. And a lot of yeah. it was about... Like, as much as I didn't like the second chunk because of various reasons, it was about doing the work and really taking the time it to was, figure yeah. out your shit, which is a luxury most of us don't get, especially if you're... She had she basically had a midlife crisis breakdown of sorts and had to figure out her shit. And luckily, she got $200,000 to take a year off, kind of. But to do it, she did it. And it was difficult. And I, don't, I didn't read The Alchemist, but I... The vibe I got from that was that, oh, it's just been there all along. You don't have to do anything. Well, it's been there all along. You need to to know to look for it where it is, was the the theme of The Alchemist. Ironically, that is the message of Zen to an extent, which she she misuses the word Zen several times for such a devout Easterner. Well, because she knows about it from reading the Wikipedia page. (laughs) She did call them the Zens. I couldn't tell if that was a bad joke or something. I was like, no, that's not a thing. I think it's a band. Yeah. Zen and the Koans. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that group. Like us. There's definitely an element of, you know, uh, for, for us in the West, of Eastern philosophy porn in here. Yeah. Feel good. And it's just, it's just, it's just new age crap. Just fewer crystals. <laughs> There Not were zero sh- crystals, and I was kind of surprised and, about and, that. And I don't, th- I don't think there were any chakras either. She yeah, mentioned just, chakras a few times, but like, but not like in a. Well, she mentions auras. I remember those. She went, oh, his, for lack of a better word, aura was very interesting. Oh, mm, this is the. I let that one slide. I'm going to say that she meant like his vibe. She did, yeah. like, but she bitch don't kill vibe. my aura. Oh, yeah. was that from? Uh, is that from Henry V? Yeah. Uh, is that? That's, yeah. <laughs> part one. Part Not part two. Part two, the vibe had been killed. <laughs> oh, sorry. Hath been killed. Hath been slain. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> so, so, so why is this book famous? How's, how's that? There's the question. Why was this a runaway bestseller? There's books like this published every day. It is famous now 
partly because people love it and partly because people fucking hate it. But it was a huge, huge hit in 2006. Oh, yeah, it was enormous. But for both reasons at the time also, like people, a lot of people fucking hated it. And that gave it a lot, you know, just to put it, it was so girthy of a hit. You would need to pray that you could fully eat it. And you cert and you certainly wouldn't love it. (laughs) Oprah had two episodes on it and then they made the movie. And then she gave everybody two cars. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And you get Indonesia and you get Indonesia. You guys, uh, I, I take it. You guys didn't see the movie. I have not, no. Nate still hasn't seen The Godfather. Like, what the I fuck? I haven't seen The Godfather either. Yes, so. I have. No, The Godfather is the one I haven't seen. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen Godfather Part 3, but I hear that no, was pretty bad. Don't, no, it's, it's not pretty bad. Yeah, exactly. It's, I've seen one and two a couple of times. So the movie, I watched it within the last few months, just like, you know, I've been locked inside for a fucking year and a half. I'm running out of shit to watch. It's like, I've never seen Eat, Pray, Love, and it's free. Whatever. I'll watch this shit. I don't give a shit anymore. Academy Award winner Julia Roberts. Yeah. She's America's sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> what a pretty Isn't woman. Meg Ryan? <laughs> I think it's whoever's who's popular now. Um, but yeah, yeah. but yeah, I watched it, and it wasn't terrible. But they did change a lot. They Hollywooded it. And like they left out... A bunch of important stuff, because a lot of this book is so introspective and what she's thinking and, like, the shit she's going through. And they cut a lot of that part out because you can't have inner monologue. Because you can't do it in a movie. Yeah, but they also, like, they cut out, uh, like, she, her husband, the husband in this, in the movie, which is like, he was kind of nice, but whatever. And she's just like, I'm not happy. And she leaves him. And she gets with a guy. And she's like, oh, whatever. I le-. And then she left him and just ran to, you know, fucking Italy. And in the movie, they don't even mention she's doing it for an assignment. It's just like, right. oh, she's just, I'm just going to do me. by a publisher. Yeah. And it was, they, they left out a lot of the reasoning for why she did this. And they really dumbed down a lot of stuff she went through when she was abroad. So they like rom-commed it? It wasn't, it wasn't any way a rom-com, but it was, it was dumbed down, definitely. It was not as... Uh, this book is it's not com- this book isn't complex, but it is it has a lot of layers to it, and it's very open and honest about mental health issues, which is not super common for people to write about their own struggles with mental health. And that whole aspect was just taken out of it. It's just like I'm kind of sad because I don't want to have a baby. I'm going to go to Italy and fuck. But you know that's kind of what the movie ended gelato. up being. Yeah, gelato Italians. <laughs> gelato gelato. <laughs> so you're saying that. Um... She was a runaway bride? <laughs> yeah. She was. <laughs> no? Nate? You never... Nate, uh, he, of course you never saw that fucking... Movie. I saw that I'm actually I saw that in theaters. <laughs> oh, my God. God. <laughs> it was dumb. <laughs> this... I will say that E-Pray Love was better than Runaway Bride. <laughs> uh, I, Did she write Runaway Bride? No. No, Julie no, Roberts was, was in it. These are all Julie Roberts references. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, this... I'm trying, I, I made. I said "Pretty Woman," and now my brain's been going on uh, Julie Roberts for a while now. And she's really made a lot of crap movies. <laughs> I can't think of any other. She made a lot of gold, up. though. She went to four countries in a funeral. Was she in four weddings in a funeral? Oh yeah, wasn't she? Well, she was at my best friend's wedding. Oh, I'll be thinking of that one. No, <laughs> four weddings in a funeral was Andy McDowell. Oh, never she mind. Has, she has little teeth. Uh, <laughs> she she has little teeth. Okay. <laughs> 
Anyway, go look it up. You're like, you. <laughs> You said that about Christian Bale once, and it's like that's no, true. no. He looks like he looks like his his uh, his mouth is too small. <laughs> He's got little teeth. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been recorded and released as the podcast. Yeah, like he does, it's have, out there. He does have little teeth. Um, so this book has quite a legacy. As like the ashram she went to no longer takes people. The oh, medicine right? man, uh, He's he made dead. a lot of money, but he's probably dead by now. You know because people wanted to do this thing like women mainly wanted to do this and find goop themselves customers a lot of goop customers and you, you could get a twenty thousand dollar tourist package that would just do all the things that she did and she wasn't even involved in this shit it wasn't like she set this up as like a franchise people just said oh i'm gonna just basically take people on tours that do this people thought like oh if i just do that then i will also find myself but you know, it's it's still going on. It's still a thing. You say you pray love, people fucking know. I mean, I see all the criticisms of it for fetishizing the far the east, other. The, the orient or whatever you want to call it. Right? Yeah. Like, there, there is that element of the book. It's an entertaining read, but I, if you're using this as your, like, you know, your your north star for your own spiritual enlightenment, then you have you have... You are so far from the course. <laughs> no one can help you. If you're getting, and I think that's part of the issue, is like like with, you said Oprah did did an episode Two on it, right? Two episodes. I mean, this is, this is just middle class white women porn. <laughs> it very much is. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's bad. Of course not. Of course not. But it's also, but, but the thing about porn of any type is porn is not fulfilling. Porn meets a very direct physical need. And this is a book that purports as it pretends to be a spiritual thing almost. Well, see, see, I think that it does that for her, it's her journey. And it does not purport that this will be what anyone else needs. It's saying, right. this is what I needed, and this is what I did. And people are like, I don't know what I want to do with my life. I'll just do the eat, pray, love shit and see what happens. But this is not what anyone necessarily needs. Everyone's different. And people are just like, I'll just try that. And it's not going to give you the results I think you by implication, it's kind of saying, hey, you could just do this too. I mean, you can. Yeah, something like it. Here's a blueprint. But it's very much by implication. She definitely doesn't say it out loud. I mean, I, I guess. But by that, you could say any memoir or, like, story of a, how, how a person came to be the way they are, saying, this is, what I, this is my life, this is what I did. And it, that's exactly how people interpret those memoirs. Yeah, I guess. It just it seems like people are going to miss the point then. It's, well, her, uh, her point was what exactly? I had to go to Indonesia to meet a hunky Brazilian man. <laughs> no, I, her point was my shit was fucked up and I needed to take some time to figure that out. And I figured it out kind of even by the end of this. She's like, I'm doing better, but she's not, she's not, she doesn't, she never claims to be right. I think that people read into it and maybe she's okay with that. But just because you don't know what's going on with your shit doesn't mean this is the way to do it. And this is an insane way to do it. And that almost no one can do this. So it doesn't matter, but people still try. 
I think the idea of like getting in touch with your uh, like the eat praying and loving, right? Like the first part, like is a eating is a is a that part's good. Uh, that's part's, that part's cool. America's got that down. No, but it's like, <laughs> it, but it's it's not about just eating. It's about the physical pleasures of life. Yeah, right? I guess like a hedonistic view. And then there's the praying about the spiritual elements of life, and the love about. She said the last part was about balance. I didn't understand how that was balance at all. Uh, yeah, I don't really. I think it's like third element, really. Yeah. It's you know about the bone and part of life, but it's six inches of love. <laughs> if we could only all be so lucky, Jimmy. <laughs> she made. She gave up celibacy for him. It better be worth it. Did she say six inches? Of love? <laughs> <laughs> I guess uh, fifteen centimeters. I don't know how they use stuff. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think the book. Like any other book of this caliber, we've all been saying variations on this at this point, is it, it's new agey crap that maybe, as Nate said, it, it, it doesn't say it directly, but it, it certainly it certainly hints <laughs> that this is a blueprint you could follow. Of course, anybody else who follows it is not going to find the fulfillment that she found because she w- they're not going to be fulfilled by the fucking Brazilian guy. <laughs> like, I think that's just regular filled. Uh, fulfilled <laughs> by the Brazilian guy. Uh, it's, it's an interesting... I loved reading the book. It's entertaining. But I also am not... Like, I, I never at any point in the book thought like, oh, fuck, I need to go to an ashram. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, everyone that reads it will... Take something different from I it. I did want to go to Rome. Yeah. That I did want to do. Yeah. So you could hear a bunch of guys play Hotel California in a piazza again. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you're eating good, who cares what they're playing? I've been to Rome twice. It's, it's a wonderful place. I can't wait. I, I would love to go back one day. It's, I've been to Rome, but I think like the other towns were cooler. You would say that because you like ska. <laughs> so you yes. like lame shit. My enjoyment of 90s ska means that I enjoy other cities in Italy better where ska no, is in, more it's, known. It's, <laughs> it's indicative of your worldview. You like off, be, off the beaten path. Well, I wouldn't things. say that like Florence is off the beaten path. It's like one of the most popular tourist destinations in the world. You called it a town, dude. Is it a town? I don't know how big. I don't know what. It's a fucking city. Yeah, it's a city. <laughs> it's it's a big. City. It's a big place. You called it a town. Right, you're like, right, fucking, uh, when you say town, I think you're talking about like the shitty towns, the suburbs of Rome. No, I don't know. Like, I never went to any I towns. I prefer Sidovatechia or like I fucking I've bullshit. I've never been to any of those, I think. Yeah, the places that like, you drive through and you're like, oh, what the hell was that? And I'm like, oh, don't make a man to mention it. Uh, <laughs> and then you move on. <laughs> now, it, Italy is crazy because it's a, a country that's only been a country for like a century and change. So it still has, and she she mentions this in the book briefly when she goes to Naples, that it has very much still um, like totally different attitudes and temperaments. Oh, and her time in Sicily too. Sicily, the the third world of Italy, (laughs) is really what it is. I will say in Rome, I saw. uh, I assume he was a homeless man because he was wearing just dirty pants and nothing else. Standing in the street, smoking an entire pack of cigarettes at once. Like, rows of them in his mouth. Like a a harmonica. Tobacco harmonica, I was about to say. (laughs) I looked at him and was like, what the fuck is he doing? It's like, like, oh my God, okay, all right. 
You know what's up. It's going to be a very expensive habit, though. Can't only imagine like, everything's so expensive over there. Oh, are cigarettes? I never. I cigarettes smoke, are not so as expensive, probably because they're Europe and everyone smokes. They don't tax it like crazy. So it sounds like we have mixed feelings on this book. I enjoyed mm-hmm. it. it. It's fun to read. There was it. It's fucking long, man. Holy shit! It was shit. surprisingly long. Like Felipe, so that's what she said. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, but it's a really long book. Uh, I was like, oh, it's like a three hundred page bullshit ladies' book. Because I'm a man. Yeah, I thought that. And I, I'll i knock this out. And then I was like, oh, my God, this is taking forever. I feel like I've been, I've been reading for an hour, and I only read 7% of this goddamn book. What the fuck is in here? Uh, it, it, took, it, took, it took a long time to read. However, it's fun. If you're looking for spiritual enlightenment, you should never be looking at some douchebag's memoir. No, definitely not. I feel like could that be like Mike's rule, like, yeah. <laughs> like the drunk guy's rule. You mean Nate's rule? Nate's rule. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. <laughs> I'm divorcing you. But if you do, <laughs> if you you know, if you're looking to get like spiritual fulfillment through the fucking best-selling memoir of the summer, you're an asshole. But if you're looking for a fun book to read. That's interesting. I thought this was actually a really cool book. There's enough history and language and, you know, weird stuff, you know, like random stories and that I I really dug reading it. Yeah. Yeah. I liked it. It's worth a go. It's a long go. Yeah. All right. Tell us what you thought. Send us an email to drunkeyesbookclub at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at drunkeyesbc. Or go to Facebook and Instagram at drunkeyesbookclub. If you like the podcast, yeah, head over to patreon.com slash drunk guys book club where you can support us and, uh, you know, show us that you, that, that we're loved, even if our parents don't love us. And you can also go to us on Goodreads and be our friend where you can pray and love with us. And you can also eat a sandwich while you give us good reviews on wherever you're listening. Just give us one star for every time you've ever eaten in your life. And if you, <laughs> we also have an account. You can also follow us in Untapped and see what we're drinking. And you can eat beers along with us there. Really thick eating beers. Very viscous. <laughs> and I like how our outro gets longer and longer all the it's time. Just like Felipe. episode. <laughs> and check out the Hopped Up Network, a network of independent beer podcasters. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.